Good to see you today. It's funny, I, I've been a Lions fan my whole life. Um, it's been very disappointing. <laughs> I used to work at the Silver Dome when I was a kid. I was on the security team. I think I lied about my age. I was 16, but I told him I was 18 or whatever. And uh, it, was, it was good, you know, seeing everybody park in the handicapped parking spots that weren't handicapped, drunk. It was a lot of fun to be that kid working in that, uh, in that parking lot. But I, I remember, um, I remember just cheering for a team with, with no real thought that they're ever going to win. Anybody else remember that? I'm going to cheer for you. Why? Because I'm a Lions fan because I'm a faithful person. But what's your expectation? Oh, we're going to get killed. You know, I, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without a loss to Dallas, Chicago, or Green Bay, right? So today to be cheering for them, if they win today, they go to the Super Bowl. Does it, anybody else feel like you're going to wake up at some point? Kind of like, what? what is this? You know, it's funny. Generations from now, people will listen to this sermon on their holographic imaging devices. And let's say, were the Lions really that bad? They were really that bad. <laughs> but they're going to win today uh, against San Francisco for no other reason. It's just nice to beat something that came from San Francisco and, uh, and go on to the Super Bowl. And then what happens after that? I, let's just take it one miracle at a time. Amen. <laughs> you know. Uh, fasting, starting this week. I'm doing kind of a teaching on fasting today. It really is a very specific teaching on a very specific type of fasting. But um, already we're seeing fruit from a fast that hasn't begun. This morning at the door, I was talking to, I, I don't want to say who this is because I didn't get permission from Mary to share this, but, <laughs> but she said, I, I can't fast. I'm, I, I have diabetes. I'm not, I'm not able to go without food. And so another friend of hers named Mary, who's, the, who's kind of the chief challenger of humanity, say, well, you should, you know, if you're going to see your doctor, go ask your doctor, talk to God, do whatever God tells you to do. So she went to the doctor, kind of with the thought of, hey, I can't fast. Is that right? He said, what would you be fasting for? And she said, for the condition of the world around me. And she, the doctor put his hand on her arm and began to share that his family is all part of the, the Israel-Palestine conflict. And tears in his eyes, actually flowing down his cheeks, he said, thank you for for praying for the world. No, no mother should ever have to bury their sons. And, uh, and then he gave her a list of things that will help her with a fast, a, f- a food fast as a diabetic, because fasting is a part of his, part of his culture. And uh, so already, how many guys know like God's already doing something and we haven't done anything yet? How many guys wish God always did stuff that we didn't have to do stuff first? You know what I mean? And he does. He does a lot of that. But let's get ready for this today. So there, there's three schools that God's going to use to mature you. And I fear that we've overemphasized one and underemphasized the others, even though one is unavoidable. It's the school we call inspiration, application, and perspiration, right? Inspiration, man, for God so loved the world, you know, application. So you got to forgive your neighbor. Like, I'd really rather not. I'd rather not apply that. I, I love the inspiration of being loved, but now the demand that's put on me by being loved is to be loving. And, you know, that takes something. But how many of you guys know, no matter what you do, there's gonna, you're going to face the school of perspiration. There's going to be things that, that are bigger than your faith, and your faith will either have to grow or be diminished through the, the trials that you face. Do you, does that make sense to you? Do you understand that? So, so when you have this, I, I want to be inspired, but I don't care to exercise it in application, that's okay. But when it comes time for the school of perspiration, you're, you're a second grader taking a calculus class. The best time to learn how to pray for the sick and see them recover is not when you have cancer. It's long before that. Being inspired by the word, Jesus is a healer. Somebody say amen. Call upon the elders of the church. Pray, anoint with oil, the prayer offer in faith. You know, so we do, we do that. And now somebody has cancer. Well, good thing we've had 20 years to practice praying for people. Does that make sense? Same thing, you know, the best time to learn how to fly a plane is not when you're 30,000 feet in the air. 
The best time to learn how to be married, you know, and how to resolve conflict, it's, it's at the pre-marriage class, not, not the dear God what happened to my marriage class, right? So we have to learn what scripture says is true. Then we have to apply it at any level we can so when the test comes, our faith can stand. So here's my concern. I think we focus way too much on inspiration because inspiration feels good. You are the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> the Bette Miller faith, right? From a distance, God is watching us. That, that's all sweet. And, I, and I, we should begin with inspiration, right? But there's more to this Christian following Christ through life than being inspired. There are tests. In this world, Jesus said, you will have what? Trials, tribulations, tests. So for us to go, well, I, I want victory and I want inspiration. It doesn't work that way. So we have to take what we've been given and we have to apply it. And then when it's tested, we get to pass the test. Any school teacher here say amen, right? So fasting, well, how does fasting apply to this? Well, fasting is an application piece. It's not an inspiration piece. If I were to stand up here today and get you inspired to fast, I am a better preacher than even my mother says I am. You know what you should feel good about? Something that feels really bad. Like that, that's, there's nothing really in it for you, if you will. If you go into it to get something out of it that way, then you might be going into it for the wrong reason. So let's not do that. Like giving, like praying. I, I, you know, God's my genie in a bottle kind of illustration. That's not what we want. So what we do want is we, we, want, a, we want something that, that we're inspired by. This is truth. Now we need to apply it in a time of peace to prepare for a time of war. And if all we have is inspiration and all we have is tests and we fail to apply it's not uncommon that, that we fail. So what, an accelerant. An accelerant is something, and I've never had it, but in every superhero movie, every Batmobile, every Back to the Future, every uh, Men in Black car has a red button. You remember the red button? Like, don't press the red button. You press the red button, and all of a sudden, like, like the turbo boosters and flames shoot out the back of the Batmobile. Fasting is that. Fasting is the red button. It, it takes something that's moving at a pretty decent, logical, you know, spiritual kingdom pace, and it supercharges it. it. So if you're heading in the wrong direction and you fast, get ready to go in the wrong direction really fast. If you're heading in the right direction, doing things for the right reasons, you'll find the same thing is true too. So Monday through Friday, this week, we're asking everyone to commit to a fast of your choosing to prepare our hearts for Vision Sunday. Say, so why are we praying our hearts for Vision Sunday? Um, I'm just give you a quick teaching on fasting. Fasting, biblically, is... Uh, do I have it here? Or do I have it in the next slide? Yeah, fasting, biblically, is the abstaining of some food, like a Daniel fast, they call it. All food, abstaining from all calories. Uh, and in some extreme cases, even, even water for just a short amount of time. There's a few biblical instances of people not eating and not drinking in times of great crisis. So in more modern times, and I'm, I'm not saying that isn't completely the teaching on fasting I want to teach, but remember as well in modern times that other people have said, well, let's, I'm going to fast some other things that take time, like preparing and eating meals and cleaning up after them. In the same way, we have like social media and television and reading the news and getting upset at politics. And so people have learned that they can get a similar benefit from fasting by abstaining from food and making that time, making that weakness, creating that change of pattern. What do I do with this empty? What do I, you fill it with Jesus, right? I'm getting closer to God. They found the same thing can be true. They can get some benefits of, of fasting from the dopamine rush we get from seeing people press the like button after we post the picture of our cat, both have an effect on you. So why would people do that kind of stuff? Um, uh, biblically, there's reasons for God's people to fast. It's, it's healthy. How many guys know, believe it or not, going without a meal is actually good for you every once in a while? All God's people said amen. 
right? Um, it's, it's a regular discipline. There's fasting. The Pharisees fasted on Tuesday and Thursday, probably because Tuesday and Thursday were the market days so they could walk around showing everybody how holy they were. But, but regardless, there, there's, a, there's an advantage to the regular discipline of saying no to your flesh. Anybody ever been in Walmart and the three-year-old that sees the candy bar and wants the candy bar and the poor parent has to say no to the three-year-old that doesn't hear that word very often? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, that's my flesh every day. And that's your flesh every day. The difference is he doesn't have the maturity to hide his weakness, and we do. We know that that weakness makes us so stupid. He doesn't mind that he looks stupid. He's just a kid. But when I want something, I want something, right? That same voice that's in that three-year-old lives inside of all of us. I don't expect you to say amen, but let's see how the game goes today and see how you respond to it on social media, all right? Disciplining our flesh, saying no to us. It's a good thing. I'm facing a crisis, often in the Old Testament especially. All of a sudden... You know, it's time for a king and we don't have one. It's time for a prophet. We don't have one. It's time for a war and we don't know what to do. It's a crisis. Like, let's get God's attention. Everybody stop what you're doing. Stop, stop, stop. Let's all focus on God. How do we do that? Like, just forget about food. We're just going to come together and fast. Sometimes during uh, protection, like, it's not uncommon in the Old Testament for God's people to sin. And, you know, every time there's sin, there's room for destruction. So the Amalekites, the, the Jebusites, the Philistines, the Stinkerites of one form or another would come together to destroy them. And they'd say, call a holy fast. Like, we need God's protection. Something is about to come against us. Uh, sometimes it's in a call to repentance. You need to just, like, stop what you're doing, break off from, from your patterns that have led you down this road of sin, and just get get back close to God. Sometimes it's a call to, uh, to humility, right? That's just to, to humble ourselves and say, God, my, in my weakness, I just need you to be strong. And I, I'm just breaking away from every worldly thing. I, I, want, I want my flesh to be weak so my spirit can really stand out during this time. But the fast we're going to talk about today is just, it's asking for guidance. It's asking for power. It's asking for effectiveness. Um, so the, the purpose of this is not to teach you all about fasting. It's to prepare you through fasting for something that's going to happen. Now, join the Navy, they said. It'd be fun, they said. Right? What are, what are these kids, I'm sorry, what are these young warriors doing? They're not kids. They're kids to me, but what are these young warriors doing? Let me ask you this. In all of the Army movies, Navy movies, Marine movies, Air Force movies, there's no Air Force movies. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I guess there is one. A Band of Brothers thing is coming out now. The Eighth Air Force are dropping bombs from a mile high. What courage. Um, but these guys are going to be on the ground shooting people. What, have you ever seen in any of those movies the, the scene where they grab the telephone pole and they, they do the battering ram against the Taliban? No. What they hold in their hands is not an instrument of war. So why are they training with a telephone pole? This is simply why. It simulates combat fatigue. It simulates the need for, for teamwork. I don't know if you noticed or not. First thing I see is a, a, a military guy is this guy right here. See, he's got his fingers linked together. He's killing. Look at the shorter guy next to him. He's actually pulling down on it. <laughs> Tall people have a much harder time in the Navy than short people. That's all I'm saying. And this is one of the reasons why. In log training, he's actually supporting himself on that. The other guy's like getting ready to throw up and call on his ancestors. It's, it's terrible, right? So, but what's he doing? He's simulating combat. It's training you for war during a season of peace so that if war comes, your brain, your soul, your spirit, your friends have been there before. Does that make sense? It's preparing for the real thing. Fasting is an applicational step that helps you prepare for the real thing. When you get there, in that, in that moment of crisis, that moment of weakness, that, that moment of needing to hear the voice of God, it won't be the first time you've ever heard his voice. 
Don't be the first time you've ever been weak. Don't be the first time you've ever needed him desperately. So you get there as a team. Fasting simulates the fight often accompanied by the exercising of your faith. Did you get that? Okay. I was in the pet band, so this makes no sense to me. But for those of you who played, thank you, because I got to hang out with all the girls in the band because you played football, and I think I got a better part of the deal. But this, this whole like blocking sled thing, and your market set go, and Brutus and Thor, they start pushing on that bad boy, right, getting ready for that. Well, let me, you ever see one of those in a game? No. So what is that? It's training. It's creating the weakness. It's creating the stress. It's creating the teamwork. It's creating the, the competition against yourself and with others. What's it doing? It's preparing you during a time of practice for a time of game. Why? Because it's how you prepare for the real thing. They have to know what it's like to, to go past the fourth quarter in practice or they get to overtime in the real game and they fall apart. They have to do that. One of the things they did to us in the military, I'll never forget it, and it's took me, it took me years to forgive them for doing it, is they would take us on an extraordinarily long run. Like say if you're used to running five, six, seven miles in, in physical training and PT, they, they'd run you that far out and you realize every step I'm taking, you have to turn around and come back. Well, then they turn around and, you go, and your brain goes, okay, I know exactly, I've got, to, I've got to duplicate that. I know where that tree is. I know where that stop sign is. I can make it to the next thing. And there's the barracks. I'm going to make it. And anybody guess what they did next? They ran you past the barracks. So you learned obedience, not, not your limits. You learned that you had no limits. You learned that your limits were here, not, not here. That's what they're doing there. They're pushing them, pushing them, pushing I love that scene and Remember the Titans where Denzel, how many, has Denzel ever done anything not cool? He's on the ground. They're like, ah, ah, doing grass drills. Ah, fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth quarter. What he's doing, he's putting him in the stress of a fourth quarter. God, whoever, whoever wants it the most is going to get it. He's doing it during practice. Why? Because he believes there's a game where the fourth quarter will decide the game. What is fasting? It's putting stress on us so that when the real thing happens, we've applied the inspiration through application. Now when perspiration is here, we know what to do. This one may not make sense to you, but I tried to find an illustration that girls could relate to. And we had the Tottinghams and some others over for dinner the other day, and she told a story about her Nona making pasta. And I, I thought it was kind of cute, so I thought, oh, I, I talked to a girl the other day. I have a girl illustration, so thank you for allowing me to use your, your Nona for this. But she said, this is how you make pasta. You, you, know, you make the little hole in the right kind of flour. You crack some eggs, and you begin to hand mix it all together. And pretty soon, the wrinkles on the pasta and the wrinkles on Nona's hands are a little unintelligible. They look about the same, you know. And she goes, Nona, I can't believe you do this every time you make pasta. She goes, I, I don't. I use the pasta machine over there in the cupboard. She said, why do you do this? Because... My grandmother taught me to do this, and I'm your grandmother, and I'm going to teach you how to do this too, because someday you'll have a family. Actually, didn't you call it pasta boot camp? Yeah, not, so the word boot camp was there, so it became a grill illustration. What is it? It's, it's simulating the weakness, right? It's, it's simulating the stress. It's simulating the teamwork. It's simulating the responsibility. It's preparing you for the real thing. Someday you'll have a family of your own, and if you ever want to make pasta the way my Nona made it, this Nona has to teach you how to do it. Does this make sense? This makes it so, so fasting, again, it simulates the conflict without the conflict. It trains and qualifies you for things like going to war, playing varsity, or making Nona's pasta. Now, to quote Nona, capiche? You need any more illustrations or you got it? What is fasting? Fasting is preparing us for the realities of spiritual warfare. Fasting is preparing us for the competition of being faithful to Christ. Fasting is preparing us for the time when it's our turn. So we are inspired to do great things, and we want it, we're tested in great ways, but we've never worked those muscles, then maturity doesn't happen because you got older. Anybody ever seen somebody that's a husband, but they're not really more than a seventh grade kid? 
or a seventh grade girl or you know what I mean? That we, because you get older, chronology is not maturity. Experience is maturity. There are probably 12-year-olds that are more mature than 16-year-olds because they were raised on a farm. They've been driving dad's pickup truck since they could reach the pedals. They've been getting up in the morning milking the chickens since they could reach the nipples. That was just, for those of you who are falling asleep, I thought I'd bring you back in again. <laughs> Some of you decided to fall asleep as soon as the word fasting was mentioned, like, oh, the lions. <laughs> so switch gears. Fasting, vision, and obedience have always been really good friends in Scripture. They always have been. People who fast because I just want to hear your voice. It just gets me closer to you in worship. So we see in Scripture two things. There's a reactive fasting. Here come the stinkerites. We're going to get killed. Oh, God, we're fasting. We're praying. Help us. But there's also proactive fasting. Jesus goes off in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he fasts. Why? Because he wants to be close to the Father. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's led by the Spirit out there. He comes back in the power of the Spirit. He was out there fasting, and and he's, he's just intertwined with the Father in such a way that when the devil himself comes to tempt him, he doesn't fall for all the things we've fallen for. In his weakness, his Father became so strong that even face-to-face temptation from the tempter himself didn't make him think twice. That's what fast, proactive fasting. Nehemiah, you know, he's got this thing in his heart to build the wall. How does he start that journey of rebuilding the city of Jerusalem? He starts with a fast because he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to do it. He just knows that somewhere in his broken heart that God gave to him, there's a plan that has to form. So he stops eating for several days. The Bible says for many days, I mourned then I wept then I fasted and I prayed to the God of Israel. You think about Esther, right? Esther's famous line, she was born for, ladies, come on, for such a time as, as this, right? Well, what did she do before she was known as the woman who did such a time as this type of stuff? Well, she fasted and she called all of Israel to her, her, her uncle. Hey, tell everybody, I'm going to talk to the king and, you know, to quote the Russian from Rocky IV, if I die, I die. But I'm, I'm going in there because the king had said, I didn't summon you and she's out and she's done. But she walks in after Israel has fasted and she's fasted. And the king says, come here, what's going on? He goes, well, and she explains it to him. And, and God turns the script, flips the script on, on the enemies of God. So understand this, guys. We, we need to take a closer look at this certain type of fast. I want to give you a biblical context so you can see what it is we're about to do starting tomorrow morning. So Acts chapter 13, verse 1 says, now the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Here's some of their names. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene manly man who went, uh, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and who played Tetris. I don't know. It's the New New Testament thing. And Saul, Saul who later on we know is the apostle Paul. Now while they're worshiping the Lord and what else? Worshiping and fasting. Just what we're going to do Friday night. While they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, let's just stop for a second. We're going to, we're going to hear what the Holy Spirit said in a minute, but do you see what happened just prior to hearing his voice? Just prior to hearing his voice, that set themselves up in a way where other voices would be much quieter so his voice could be prominent. Um, If you will position yourself to hear from God, I predict you will hear from God. If you position yourself to hear from CNN, I predict you will hear from CNN. If you position yourself to hear from the devil, I predict you will hear clearly his voice. If you position yourself to hear from God, how many of you guys know God is speaking? Let him who has an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying, continual tense, saying to the church. The, the problem with God's voice is not that he doesn't speak, it's that we have a hard time listening. 
So what do we do? We put aside other things, distractions, the weeds, the tears, that whatever it is that gets in our way, and we say, I, I, there's only one voice I'm interested in right now. How long would it take for God to speak to you if you silenced all the other voices, checked all the other boxes, and just let him talk? So fasting and worship, position them to hear what the Holy Spirit was saying about the will of the Father. They're, they were putting the other things aside. Now, this is a statement I want you to get. When you get close to God through fasting, through worship, through prayer, there's a really good chance you're going to hear things that you can't hear with the normal distance of a busy life. You know how you shoot a deer? You're very quiet. You sit alone. You think about one thing. And then onto the, the flowery meadow, Bambi walks with his mother. And you shoot her. I'm sorry, that's probably a bad story. Bambi's father walked out, and Bambi was nowhere near, and you shot him. The end. It's a glorious ending. I can't, I can't play Tetris on my phone and deer hunt. I can't have a good conversation with a friend. Louder than a whisper. Dave Cromer, where are you? Dave Cromer, get down there. The mighty great white hunter, Dave Cromer. We were talking like this, but as little as possible. I mean, David had a... a it's what it sounded to me like a large breakfast that morning. I won't go into any further details than that, but I thought <laughs> he's going to scare away everything within a mom. <laughs> like, dude, don't get me giggling, Cromer. Don't get me giggling. We'll just we'll drive everything out of here, right? So, in order to do something well that requires focus, you have to be focused. If you do people's taxes while watching TV while taking care of three kids, there's no doubt there'll be lots of errors in someone else's returns. If we will just focus on God, how many of you guys have any doubt in your mind that God wants to speak to you? The problem's not his voice. The problem's our ears. So busy. Our lives are so busy. And if we do have a minute, we just reach into our pockets to get out the electronic discontented device to see whose life is better than ours and who said whatever frustrates us. And, oh, it's time our kid needs us again. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I've been gone for half an hour getting my little, my little injection of dopamine. Please, please, please hear me. The life that is the average American life cannot hear the voice of God until there's a crisis where we put everything aside and we listen for his voice. How many of you guys know, what if we didn't listen for a crisis, but we prepared for war in a time of peace? I want to hear from God. So think of this, guys. They weren't taking time. This is like food back then. Let me say it another way. Today after service, my wife is going to observe uh, a tradition that we have every Sunday. Every Sunday, we go to Culver's and we get a cashew chicken salad with raspberry vinaigrette dressing and a small order of fries to share. The tradition. It will take a totality, driving there, getting the food, coming back, all of 15 minutes. But think about, think about what it would have taken to do the same thing in this day. Like if there, there's chicken in it. Chickens have legs. They don't want to die. You have to catch a chicken. Then everything that's inedible about a chicken has to be removed from the inside and the outside. Then a fire, which requires wood and water, the wood's over there, the water's over there, has to be gathered. And then the chicken goes in the pot or over the fire, and if it's in the pot, it has to be watched. If it's in the fire, it has to be turned. And, and while you're doing that, there's bread in some sort of primitive clay oven, and there's a broth that's forming, and, there's this, and the salad and the cashews from Africa. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Like, the amount of time it takes to make a meal during the time they were fasting, and then to clean it, to serve it to everybody, then clean it all up, knowing that they'll be hungry again in four hours. So what are they doing? Fasting not only caused weakness in their body, it caused freedom in their schedule. 
You don't fast and work in the fields. You fast and pray. You fast and worship. You don't fast and prepare meals. You fast and, and you pray and you worship. So the same thing is true of us today. If you want to get something out of this, you're going to have to put something into this. You're, you're going to have to put make room and, and, and make worship more prominent than calories or more prominent than Facebook or more prominent than the news or more prominent than television. And we're breaking our fast Friday and we're not starting until Monday for all you Lions fans. Is that God or what? That wasn't even planned we did that, right? So this is what happens. While they're fasting and praying, let me just continue the story. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. When they got close enough and quiet enough to hear what God was saying, this is something, you got to hear this. He literally changed the trajectory of your life because they fasted. The place where the work that they were created for was to reach Gentiles, the non-Jewish people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Up until this point, Christianity was largely a sect of Judaism because the Gentiles were the bad guys in all the stories. The Philistines, Gentiles. The, the Samaritans, Gentiles. The Stinkerites, the Jebusites, all, all the people they had to defeat to get the promised land, all the Romans, all the Egyptians, Gentile, 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 and just us Jews. Now all of a sudden God says, I love the world. And he's going to express it through this calling. Hear me. Sometimes when you hear God's voice, he will change the world through you when you hear what he wants you to do. And that's the purpose of the fasting and worship and prayer of this week. Um, after they prayed and fasted, after they'd fast, worshiped and fasted, they heard. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they sent them out. Fasting continued to be a part of that discipline of that. Piano guy, join me if you would. Let's land the plane. Um, next week, we're going to open the, the gates of the vision of 2024. My wife has alluded to it, I think rather enthusiastically alluded to it, because there's some pretty, it's funny, one person's excitement is another person's terror. Do you see that? Roller coaster. Some are excited. Others are like, ah! experience the same thing at the same time. This, this upcoming season, 2024, it isn't like we planned this, but opportunity, opportunity, timing, resources come together. So we're going to be talking next week about missions trips to some pretty cool places. We're going to be talking about construction in some pretty cool places locally and beyond. We're going to be talking about new emphasis. We're going to be talking about new areas. I, literally, when we talk about those of you who are settled in, and this has been a great observational sport for you. I love going to that sporting event and watching all the Christians work. Like, now it's time for you to get in the game, literally. We need to send some people to some places to do some things, and we're not having gaps in our ministry portfolio. We're not going to, this is not going to die in childbirth. That makes sense? This has to be strong. So we're going to be raising people up from among us, within us, and going out, and all this kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, investments we're going to make, expansions we're going to do, and, and there's one that we're, we're holding until kind of almost the end of next week's service. But it is singularly, babe, is this true, the, the largest task we have, ever, we have ever taken on as a congregation. This will be the singular largest thing we've ever done. So, woo! <laughs> It's just nuts. And it isn't like I said, let's go, let's go find one of these. It's like something came to us and we have prayed and we have fasted and we have steadied ourselves and we've calmed ourselves and we've listened and we are prepared to obey in 2024. So I want you to walk in the next week with a clear mind. I want you to walk in next week with, with clean hands. I want you to walk in in some ways already knowing what you are going to say yes to. I don't even know the question. Let me just tell you the best way to follow Jesus. Say yes first, 
and then later on find out what you said yes to. Seriously. You want a life of adventure or do you want a, a life that matches, you know, a very predictable pattern? The God we serve is unchanging, but he does move quite a bit. A lot of movement following Jesus. And he spent three days there and then he walked for like 12 days and spent an hour there and then walked like three days. Like, if you're going to follow Jesus, your legs, your, your calves, when you walk in shirts, are going to look like a 7-10 split. Because that's what happens. So instead of saying next week, I'll pray about it, I want you to be positioned through worship, prayer, and fasting to say, I've already prayed about it. I know what I'm supposed to do. I didn't know what it was, but I know in my heart I already said yes to it. So here's the ask, right? Will you set aside this next week? I don't know if I'm inspired enough. Okay. But let's, let's learn how to fight war in the time of peace. Let's get good in practice so we can defeat lesser teams like San Francisco. Dan Abel, that's the first time I didn't make an Ohio State joke. I have a new enemy. I love it. It's good, right? Let's learn how to make known as pasta before we have grandkids and we have to tell them to go buy it out of a box. It's our turn. It's our turn to train for war in a time of peace. It's our turn to make the sacrifice. You, you, think, you think the generation prior to this generation didn't fast and pray over the things we're now sitting on and the places we now enjoy as ours? You think F.E. Burke, the founding pastor and his wife and his sons, didn't pray and fast over the grounds that we now sit on? You got to hear me, guys. We stand on the shoulders of some pretty giant people. And it's our turn to do something with what they gave us. It's our turn to learn how to make known as pasta. Our turn. So will you come prepared to obey God's calling on your life? Um, yeah. Last question. What are you willing to fast? You guys see those cards that are there? Uh, this is what I'd like you to do with those cards. We're going to do what we call, it's a, I think my son called it a soft close. There's not going to be a, hey, stand your feet, you're dismissed moment. What we're going to ask you to do is this, to take some time. Our worship team is going to facilitate a, a beautiful atmosphere, just the presence of God. And before you leave today, we're asking you to consider and, and maybe even conclude, what is it you're going to give up this week to create space, to create application, beyond inspiration, before perspiration, just, I, I want to mature, I want to hear, I want to know. So when I walk in next week and you hear there's going to be a missions trip to blobbity blue, you're like, blobbity blue has been on my heart all week long. I don't know how I'm going to go. I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know how I'm going to get there. I don't think I, I have diabetes. I don't have time off. I don't know. But if you already know that you gave God your yes and God's already been speaking the great country of Nowheresville to you, and next week we're taking a missions trip to Nowheresville, you know you're supposed to go. God's been speaking leadership in your heart, servantship in your heart, anything in your heart during the course of this week. But I'm praying is that God, through your silence, will create these beautiful dots. And the next Sunday, as the vision is pronounced, you'll realize it actually creates an image of something that you're supposed to respond to. So before you leave, would you take that card and write down, this week I'm willing to commit to fasting to lunch. Please don't write down, I'm willing to fast Michigan football. Please don't put down, I've committed to fast between meals. All right? You're going to create space. You're going to create room. You're going to create silence. You're going to create solitude if you need to. You're going to create a place and a time and a weakness, a change, where your heart is attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, will speak to you just like he spoke to Paul and Barnabas. How about you? You know the difference between you and Paul? Nothing. A couple thousand years, Nothing. Everything that his life represents creates a legal precedent for everything God wants to do in your life. So maybe you're the next missionary from this house. 
Maybe you're the next person to start that business or close that down or renew those vows or whatever it is that's in your heart, man. Just listen to God. Will you do that? That's two yeps and a couple delayed yeps because they felt bad that I didn't get the other ones. I'm, I'm not sorry. I, I don't want to do this. You force me into Nona posture. Capish? Capish. That means if you say no, then you get assassinated on the way out the door by the mafia or something like that. So bow your heads, if you would. Father, I pray. Maybe even now you're speaking because we just talked about it, but I, I pray that you would help us to make room. We can't make you speak. You're, you're not a dog and we don't have a treat in our hand. That's not what we're saying, but we can create environments where we're far more likely to hear what you're saying. And this is one of them. Savior is a wonderful thing, but Lord is really where the rubber meets the road. So I I pray that obedience will be the fruit of today. What is it we're supposed to do without? Where are we supposed to make room? What voice or voices need to be silenced? I pray, we pray, God, over this week, may it be a week from which this church will never recover. (laughs) May it be a turning point. Church in Antioch never recovered from that prayer meeting. They were never the same again. I pray the same over this week. As we come together to worship Friday night, God, may it just be filled with stories, filled with testimonies, filled with with words. And Sunday, God, as we speak these promises out that you're making over us, may there be a willing heart to go, "That's, that's it. That's what I've been praying about. I didn't know what it was. It has a name. It has a face. It has a date. It has a price. It has a place. And we pray that, God. And Father, I pray lastly, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you well, Let them hear your voice. Calling them into a loving covenant relationship. Jesus, we thank you that you died for every sin. It's true when the devil accuses us of things we should be ashamed of. It's true. We don't deny. There's just something more true than his accusations, and that's your proclamation of love, your promise of mercy. So we take you up on those things. The only way to silence the devil is to hear God. So we hear you today loving us and we respond to that love. Here's our life. Here's our hours and our days, our years and our decades. They belong to you in Jesus' name. As you fill out that card this morning, there'll be people with buckets at the back door, I think is what the plan was. If you're online and you're like, I I can't be a part of this, like just email office at freedomcenter.church. Name, email address. I guess we'll have your email address. And this is what I'll be fasting for this week. We're going to be sending you an update every day. Different pastors are going to be teaching on a different aspect of fasting to keep you encouraged, to keep us as a community. So we won't be standing, we won't be dismissing. Um, yeah. Fill out your cards. Fill up your heart. And we'll see you Friday night.